All right, so I want to read to you today a passage from Scripture, um, but if you uh, were paying attention during worship, and how could you not, because the Holy Spirit fell so mightily, and I am just, I am blown away, um, then you know one of the songs that we sang was called There is a Cloud, and I this is a message that I actually uh, preached a version of a few years ago that I felt like was really um, important for us to hear today as well, so uh, just be ready for that, but before we get into the reason why the song and all of that, I want to read to you a scripture, um, and it's found in 1 Kings. You can turn in your Bibles. I have my paper Bible today, but I made sure I marked every single scripture so I'm not flipping through. Um, that was a Natasha thing, because I was fine flipping through, but she said, it's really awkward when you're up there in silence just flipping through your Bibles. So made sure that I marked every single scripture. Uh, but we're going to be in uh, 1 Kings chapter 18 today. Uh, before we get into what uh, the scripture that I want to read, I need to give you a little bit of background, though, uh, because there's a lot that happens in these three chapters. There's a lot that happens in 1 Kings. If you have a chance, and by if you have a chance, I mean during your obvious every day that you're in the, that you're in the word, uh, go into 1 Kings for a while, because 1 Kings is awesome, especially reading about Elijah. Um, but 1 Kings, I want to give you a little bit of background into 1 Kings 17 and 18. Um, and what we're focusing on today uh, is a guy named Elijah, and Elijah was a prophet. The prophets back in the Old Testament were the people that heard from God and then told the people what God was saying, right? We have access to the Heavenly Father today. We have access to hear from God for ourselves through the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Back then, there was prophets, right? There were prophets that would give the word, and people could hear from God. So it was awesome. Elijah was one of those prophets. Um, and he was a prophet in the time of King Ahab, who was king of Israel. Ahab was not a good king. In fact, at the end of chapter 16, it says that Ahab did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than uh, any of the kings before him. And if you're paying attention, if you've read, you know that's a lot of evil, okay? Ahab did a lot of evil. So Elijah is a king. Uh, not sorry, no, it's Elijah's a prophet. Elijah's a prophet in the days of King Ahab, so in the days of, of this evil king, okay? So just keep that in mind. Elijah's a man of God. And in that time, being a man of God was very difficult. Who knows that today also being a person of God is very difficult, right? Because we're living in evil times. We're living in times when people are doing whatever they want to do. We're living in times when people don't know the right from the wrong. They don't know what the truth is. Um, so it's very similar to the situation that we're living in today. So Elijah is a man of God in the, in the days of evil King Ahab. Um, but the biggest problem facing Elijah, where we're starting, was the issue of the worship of the god Baal. Okay, so we're talking about uh, Elijah, and th the biggest issue that he's facing is that people aren't worshiping the one true God, they're actually worshiping the God Baal. And in the beginning of chapter 17, Elijah told Ahab, the king of Israel, again, not a good guy, that there would be a drought until Elijah gives the word. Okay, so there's going to be a drought happening. And Baal was supposed to be in control of the weather and in control of fertility, so obviously a drought was a big deal. Because if Baal is the one in charge of the weather and there's a drought and people are praying for rain for, and for that blessing to come and it's not happening, is Baal actually real? Is Baal hearing them? Right? So it's a big deal that there's a drought. And so um, the, the fact is that there was a drought for three years, okay? Elijah was there to show the people the one true God, who the one true God was and who he still is. So Elijah tells Ahab there's going to be a drought. There's a drought for three years. And in that time, God told Elijah to travel away and go hide near the Cherith stream. 
And God tells Elijah that he's going to provide water out of the streams and command the birds to take care of Elijah, okay? And then he does exactly what he promised. So that's really cool. God does what he promises, right? And he promises he's going to take care of Elijah. He says, go and hang out. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide water for you. Even in the midst of a drought, I'm going to have the birds take care of you, and it's going to be great. So in between the time that God tells Elijah to go wait and uh, what we want to focus on today, God did some amazing things through Elijah. Um, he made a widow's little bit of flour that was supposed to only last for one meal. She told him, I, you know, I'm going to make bread just enough for me and my son to eat it so we can die. Um, he made that flour. He didn't make that flour. But God made that flour uh, last and that oil last enough for, through the whole drought, okay? So that's a miracle in and of itself. And Elijah was able to perform that miracle based on God working through him. And then um, he also raised her young son who had gotten sick and died. He raised him from the dead, okay? So God's working miracles. Elijah also had an encounter with a servant of Ahab, his name was Obadiah, who had housed and sheltered a hundred prophets of God to protect them from Jezebel, who had been having all the prophets of the Lord killed. So Elijah's had been busy over these last three years, okay? Um, and so he, he had this encounter with Obadiah. It was really cool. If you can go, again, I encourage you to go read it. Like, this guy was awesome. He was, he was like, a fugitive, but not like not really realizing he was a fugitive. He was housing all these prophets because Jezebel wanted to kill the prophets of God. And he housed 50 in one cave and 50 in another. And he explains the whole thing. And it's just really cool. So Elijah's been having all of these things happen. But arguably, the most famous thing to happen at this time was the encounter with the prophets of Baal. Remember that we said that Ahab had done a lot of evil things. Well, one of the things was to actually introduce the worship of Baal to the Israelites, okay? So obviously he's done some bad things, but that was probably one of the worst things that he could have done. Hey, Israelites, why don't you worship this God? Because this God's really cool. Did you know he's going to help you have babies? And did you know he's going to help you have great weather? Like that's, what, that's basically what that conversation probably was like. So what happens in the third year of, drought, of the drought is an amazing miracle that shows just how powerful the Lord is. See, Elijah has 450 prophets of Baal gathered at the top of Mount Carmel. And they're going to see who's more powerful, Baal or the one true God. So we know the answer. So I don't want to spoil it for you, but it's not Baal, okay? So we know what's going to happen. And as we're reading, we have the anticipation. We're like, yeah, come on, Elijah, do it. Do it. Take him out. So, but the prophets of Baal are like, man, this one guy... He's the prophet of, of the one true God. Listen, there's 450 of us. We know what we're doing, okay? So, um, again, obviously we know the outcome here, uh, that Baal doesn't show up, that he's not real, and that's made abundantly clear. Um, so, this obviously devastates his prophets, but now it's time for God to show who he is. Because... Elijah is telling the people, like, why don't you try to call down your God? Like, set up an altar, call down your God, see if he'll, like, see if, he, see if he'll come. And they're, they're calling out for Baal. They're calling out for Baal. They're worshiping. They're yelling. They're jumping around. And the Bible, even Elijah was salty, okay? Like, he, uh, or maybe the word is spicy. <laughs> he, had some, he had some stuff going on. And he's like, yeah, uh, yeah, keep going. Keep going. Let's go. Come on. Uh, maybe, maybe he can't hear you. Go louder. Come on, yell louder. And it's like he's egging them on. He's like, come on, guys, what's going on? Why isn't he here? So um, it, obviously Baal doesn't show up, right? And then it's time for Elijah to show who God is or for God to show who God is. Elijah's is there being used, right? So Elijah commands that the altar that he's prepared for God gets doused in water, okay? In the middle of a drought, 
Elijah knows what's going to happen. He knows that God's going to come down with fire, right? But in order to prove his point, he even says, oh, and by the way, douse this altar in water, okay? So we're in the middle of a drought. He says, just pour the water all over here. If we look back to the beginning of chapter 18, God has told Elijah that if he reveals himself to Ahab, he's going to send the rain. So Elijah knows what's coming. Okay, he knows the rain is coming. The other people don't. So Elijah calls out to the Lord and immediately he calls out to the Lord. And then what? Immediately. Everybody say immediately. The Lord sends down his fire and consumes that altar water and all. Okay. Whoa. Everybody say, whoa. Then Elijah has all 450 prophets of Baal brought to the Kishon Valley and killed immediately. Okay. And you might be saying, whoa, that's kind of harsh. But listen, God wants all of our worship, okay? He wants us to only worship him. So there can't be any room for anything else, right? So this was harsh back then, but you got to think, these are people that have been leading the people astray for so many years. And the people who have been saying, you need to worship Baal, the people who have lived and breathed worshiping Baal. And so there was no room for that. The Israelites were waffling between who they would serve, Baal and God. They were undecided, and God made it clear who they were supposed to serve, okay? And who are we to serve? God knows that we're human, and he knows that we're easily swayed as humans. It's in our nature. Uh, well, okay, not everybody's easily swayed. If you ever had a three-year-old, you know that is not true. <laughs> I absolutely love my three-year-old, um, and I have to say I love him because sometimes I don't feel it. Uh, especially when we're in the middle of getting ready in the morning. I'm like, Sebastian, put on your socks. And he goes, no, and throws them at you. I'm like, bro, put on your socks. And he goes, no, and throws them at you. You don't want to be in our house any, like any given morning. Like it's, so three-year-olds not so easily swayed, but humans, add, uh, our human nature is easily swayed. And God wanted to eliminate those that promoted Baal worship. He wanted to eliminate the opportunity for people to go and worship this false God. So all of this context, I know there was a lot of it. All of this context brings me to the next passage, which is what I really want to focus on. Um, and again, I know I just gave you a ton of background, but I think it's very important that you know what's happened leading up to the next amazing thing, because there's been a lot of amazing things that, are, that have happened so far through Elijah. So now there's just another thing that's about to happen. So this is where we go to First uh, Kings 18, verses 41 through 46. And I should have actually marked where it is. Okay. So, and it's on the screen too. But First Kings 41, uh, sorry, 18, 41 through 46, it starts off with Elijah saying to Ahab, this is after everything. Just remember, this is like right after the prophets of Baal have all been killed. He says, you should go fill your belly with food and water. I hear a heavy rain coming. So again, middle of a drought, three years of a drought. God's just actually sent down fire, not rain. Okay, and he says, you should go fill your belly because I hear a heavy rain coming. And Ahab did as Elijah instructed and went to eat and drink. Elijah journeyed to the peak of Mount Carmel. There he bowed down on the ground and placed his head between his knees. Has anybody ever been just so exhausted, so exhausted that you just sit down and you can't do anything and you just go, just kind of melt? Has that ever happened to anybody else? All right. So Elijah says to his servant, go now and look in the direction of the sea. And the servant, returning to Elijah, said, I did as you asked, and there's nothing in the direction of the sea. Okay, so the servant's like, okay, you hear the rain coming, but I don't see it, man. 
So Elijah said, Elijah gave him the same instructions seven times. How many times? Seven times. Go back and look in the direction of the sea. The servant did as Elijah requested each time. So how many times did he go? Do you think by the fifth time he's like, come on, man. It's not coming. It's okay to just say you were wrong. So the servant did as Elijah requested each time. And on the seventh time, he told Elijah, a minuscule cloud, as tiny as the hand of a man, is ascending from the sea. So Elijah says, go quickly and give a message to Ahab for me. Prepare your chariot and leave quickly before the rain gets torrential and keeps you from traveling. So in verse 45, the sky became filled with dark, monstrous clouds. The wind grew wild, the heavy rain fell, and Ahab traveled quickly in his chariot to Jezreel. The strength of the eternal filled Elijah, and the prophet pulled up his garment around his thighs and sprinted ahead of Ahab the entire way to Jezreel. All right, let's pray. Lord, we love you, and we just come before you today with thankful hearts. Thankful that we get to hear your word. Thankful that we get to dig into your word. Thankful that we get to hear from you today. And I pray that you will speak to each heart that's here this morning. Because every single person that's here, they're not here by accident. They're here because you've called them here for such a time as this. So Lord, I pray that you will speak to our hearts and help us to get what you have for us today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, all right. So imagine being Elijah for a minute. Okay, you've just come off a three-year drought that you know the Lord has orchestrated, and on top of it all, you just finished an intense spiritual warfare, okay? There's Elijah. He's exhausted. He's gone through this, this essential battle with the prophets of Baal. This all happened, and then all of a sudden, God tells him to go to the top of Mount Carmel. By the time he gets there, like I said, he just collapses with his head between his knees. He's exhausted, but he also knows what God has promised, and he's ready for the rain. Has anybody ever had to wait for something? Anybody? If you're not raising your hand, I don't think you're telling me the truth, because every single person in this room has had to wait for something. But imagine this, three years of a drought, and you know you've heard from God. You've heard from God that that rain is coming, and you've heard from God that it's going to happen. Elijah's been waiting for it, okay? So he's been waiting three years. He, he's ready for the rain. He tells Ahab, the guy who caused these issues in the first place, to go get some food and water because he hears a great rain coming. He doesn't want him to get caught in it. I also assume or imagine he doesn't want to deal with him right now because I'm sure we've all been there before. Like, man, do you know everything that I've just gone through? Do you know everything that you've caused? I don't even want to see you. Just go. Just go. All right? Um, again, if you've ever had a three-year-old, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, just go. <laughs> and then they, they go. Or even, even not three-year-olds sometimes. I'm just like, hey, I love you, but I can't talk to you right now. I just need you to go away. Okay, that's probably where Elijah's at. He's like, man, I can't do this right now. So he immediately goes to the peak of Mount Carmel and falls down with his head between his knees. Maybe he's praying, maybe he's exhausted, probably a little bit of both. But what does he tell the servant to do then? He says, go look towards the sea. And like the servant's probably like, this is it. This is what's going to happen. I just saw this guy take out the prophets of Baal. The rain's coming. So he goes to the sea. And imagine being that servant like, I don't see anything. I really don't want to go back there. So he goes and tells him, he's like, hey, Elijah. I don't see anything. Elijah's like, go back. Just, just do it again. And the servant's like, okay. And again, like I said, by the fifth time, he's probably like, 
I think I just might go down the mountain <laughs> at this point. Let him stay up here. But no, he keeps going seven times, right? And then the servant goes, he returns, nothing, goes again seven times. On the seventh time, the servant comes back and says what? He, see, he says, okay, like I can imagine on that seventh time he's there, he's like, okay, well, that's something at least. <laughs> so then he comes back, he's like, I see a little cloud, sort of like the size of a man's hand. And Elijah knows that God's promise is being fulfilled in that moment, right? So listen, I'm a really impatient person. Um, I think it goes along with being competitive. I don't know. They're probably, they're probably related somewhere. Um, and I don't do well waiting for anything, especially when I'm excited. And I can't tell you, well, like, first of all, especially when I'm excited, uh, if you ask Natasha when she was pregnant with Dash in month nine, um, she was ready to throw me out the window. Because uh, we'd wake up in the morning and we're like, hey, do you think there's a baby coming today? She's like, no, I don't. In fact, I don't feel like this baby's ever coming. And poor Rachel Tuttle's working in the office, and I remember going every day to the office. I'm like, Rachel, I'm so impatient. She goes, uh, she's two months pregnant, Zach. You're going to have to going to have to hold on a little bit, all right? So I'm not a very patient person. I also can't tell you how many times, how many times that I got really discouraged because I thought that God said something to me, and then I start to doubt myself because it didn't happen right away, right? Has anybody ever been there? You feel like God's spoken something to you, and it doesn't happen right away. You're like, what's going on? Elijah knew, though, he heard from the Lord, and then Elijah persisted. Because he knew he heard from the Lord. So once the servant tells him that the cloud is coming, Elijah dismisses him. He says, go talk to Ahab. Tell him to, like, Elijah even at that point doesn't want to be the one to tell Ahab. He's like, you go talk to him. All right? And then the storm rolls in, and God has delivered his promise. Whoa. Whoa. So one of the things, uh, sorry, one of the songs that the band did today was called There is a Cloud. Um, and it's a song that I've loved for a really, really long time. Like I said, I preached, I preached this message, a version of this message before, but I felt like this was a really good message for today, right? For our church, for our city, for our world, because who knows that even based, even more than three years ago, our world is in a place where we need God to come through on his promises, right? So we're ready for it. Who's ready for it, right? Thank you. Um, so again, this is actually a message I preached before, but God really laid it on my heart again for this season. Um, and so I wrestled back when I preached this the first time. I was like, okay, I don't know. Uh, I, I want to make sure that this song, because this song was so heavy on my heart. And I was like, man, this is awesome. But I was like, I need to actually research the song to make sure it's actually like, you know how some songs like can be a little wonky on whether or not they're really grounded in scripture. So um, I said, okay, I gotta, gotta make sure that this song is actually grounded in scripture. So I did, and it works, and it is, which is awesome, and that's how I actually came across this story, okay? So um, what I know that God wants us to hear today is that he always, everybody said always, always makes good on his promises, okay? I remember two times specifically 
that God has spoken directly to me through other people that if I stayed humble, he'd elevate me beyond what I could ever imagine. And this isn't to not be humble. This is to actually tell, like, give you an example of how God has kept his promises to me. Two, and I know they're from God because they're from two very different people at a very long, like, big span of time apart. The first one was actually at my high school graduation. I, I went to a very, very small uh, Christian school called Crown Regional. I don't know if anybody remembers Crown Regional, uh, but it was in South China. Um, I, I was one of two graduating seniors. I was valedictorian, in case you were wondering. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, it was really, it was tough competition. Um, so, um, anyway, at our high school graduation, our, our principal got up, he was our speaker, and um, he started like giving his typical speech, and then, so he, he spoke to each of us individually, because you can do that in a school of two graduating seniors. So uh, he gets up, and he talks to the other guy, then he turns to me, and he like puts his notes away, and he goes, Zach? I said, yes. He goes, you really like to make people happy. And I said, and then somebody goes, he's a people pleaser. <laughs> and I went... Well, and he goes, but that's not a good thing. He said, because it means you're humble. You don't think of, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less, right? So it's about making sure that other people come before you. It's about making sure that, first of all, God is number one, right? So it's thinking of yourself less. And he said, you know, that attitude that God has instilled in you, you got to keep going with it. You have to keep listening to him. You have to keep doing what he calls you to do. And some people may call you a people pleaser, but others will say that he's a very humble person and that he wants people to, to know who Jesus is, right? So um, he said, if you keep doing that, then what what's going to happen in your life you're not even going to ever imagine? And at that point, I was working at Hannaford, and my plan was to um, was to move up the ranks at Hannaford and work for corporate. So I was like, yeah, all right. I'm going to be CEO of Hannaford. And uh, Obviously, that did not happen, and I am so grateful that did not happen, but I could have never imagined where I'd be right now, okay? Again, this isn't just to toot my own horn. This is to tell you guys that God keeps his promises. The next time was a couple of years later. I had just uh, had a conversation with Pastor Craig the day before about coming on staff, so I was a 19-year-old kid ready to be a youth pastor, okay? And I was ready to just go for it, and somebody that knew nothing about the situation came up to me, and she said, I have a word for you from God. And I said, okay, I'm ready for it. And I thought it was going to be like, you are going to be the best youth pastor ever. Your youth group's going to be like 500 kids. And she said, God really wants me to tell you, you need to stay humble. And I went, oh, okay, yeah, I'll do that. She goes, because if you stay humble, God's going to bless you and bring you further than you could ever imagine. And she didn't know my principal. She wasn't at my high school graduation. But so I, that's been something that I've held on to for my entire li adult life is that I need to make sure that I'm staying humble because God is going to fulfill that promise. And as long as I do what he says he's going to do, and God has fulfilled that promise, I never imagined that I'd be here. I never imagined that I have the family that I have. I never imagined that I had the friends that I have. And it's all because God is, keeps his promises, right? So... I just want you to know that God keeps his promises. What happens when I'm not humble? Because there are times when I'm not humble, and it, it, life does not go the way, the way that, that God intends it, right? Because we get in the way, and we start to say, man, I think things should be this way. I think I should do this. I think I, 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 I. And when I get so I-focused, then God doesn't, he kind of knocked me down a couple pegs, right? And he's like, hey, man, Remember? And it's in those times that I say, oh, yeah, that's right. I remember what God spoke to me. So 
if if my life is not going the way that you know I could never have imagined, it's not because God doesn't keep his promises, it's because I'm not fulfilling my end of the promise, right? So my question for you is, what has God promised you? And also, did you know, did you know that there is a cloud swelling and that rain of blessing is getting ready to pour right out? And we said that three years ago and we've seen it happening. And then a lot of other stuff happened, COVID specifically, right? And I think people forgot that God is still moving. And I think in that time, people were like, man, I just don't know anymore. I don't see it anymore. God was getting ready to do awesome things, and then this just got in the way, right? But do you think that maybe God was using that to bring us deeper with him so that we could get ready for what, he, what he's doing even more? And the, the best thing to do is not to look back and say God didn't do it. It's to look at the different steps that God's done to make it happen, right? So God is, there's that cloud still swelling, and it might still look like it's as small as a man's hand, but you don't know. You don't know what's going on in the heavenly realms, right? You don't know what God is doing. So we have to be diligent. We have to know that God is still moving and that God is still working and that he's still, the rain is still coming. So I have a few things that God wants us to hear today. The first thing is that we need to know that God has promised you something. Everybody say, God's promised me something. You may be sitting here thinking that you've never heard God speak audibly to you. Has anybody ever, uh, does anybody feel like they've never heard God speak audibly? You don't actually have to raise your hand, but um, I was that way for a long time, okay? Like maybe I, I just never heard God say anything to me audibly, whether through somebody else or, or whatever. But, so you may say that God has never given you a specific promise, but I want to point out that God has given you promises, lots of them. Um, in fact, I have seven pages of promises here. I'm not going to read every single one, but they're all from Scripture because God has given you promises. And all you have to do is look, read Scripture for maybe five minutes, and you're going to find a promise from God. But Philippians 4.19, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Jeremiah 29.11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans uh, to prosper you and not to harm you, plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. Does that sound like a promise to you? Second Peter 1 4, by which he granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Isaiah 41 10, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Does that sound like a promise to you? 2 Corinthians 1.20. Sorry, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's probably arguably the most famous promise, right? Romans 8, 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for what? For good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Um, I'm not going to read all of these because we don't have time, but there, there's seven pages here and there's so many more promises found in scripture. So if you are sitting here and you're like, I don't think I've ever heard God promise anything to me, um, you're not right. You're wrong, actually. It's okay to admit it. I'll wait. No, I'm just kidding. But just Google promises from God, and you're going to get a lot of scripture with a lot of promises, okay? So, again, this is by far not an exhaustive list of promises from scripture, but they are for everyone. So God has given you promises. So uh, I want to shift a little bit and kind of focus on the lyrics of the song that we sang, because I think it's important that when we're singing, we're not just singing words that feel good to sing, 
okay? It's important to, to know what we're singing. And we're going to have time at the end of service to really worship again. But I want to kind of break down the verses for you guys because, again, it's important to know when we're worshiping what we're singing uh, rather than just the, the swell of the instruments and the emotions coming up, right? So the first verse says, Hear the word, roaring as thunder, with a new future to tell. For the dry season is over, there is a cloud beginning to swell. So Elijah knew that there was a cloud coming, and he heard it, right? He heard, the th- he heard that the rain was coming, and he knew that the three years of the dry season was over. Has anybody ever felt like they'd just been in a dry season? Uh-huh. A lot. <laughs> a lot of times in my life have I felt, man, this is just the driest season I've ever been through. Then the next dry season comes up, and I'm like, oh. Okay, I'm never going to say that's the driest season I've been through. Um, But what was the fulfillment of the promise that God gave Elijah, that he knew that God was doing what he said he was going to do? Just a little cloud, as small as a man's hand. So maybe you're in a dry season right now, and it's easy to get caught up in one, especially when you're going through hard times. God doesn't want us to be stuck in a dry season. He's here, and he's pouring out his spirit. We just have to receive it right? We have to receive the fact that he's pouring out his spirit on us. We just need to be ready for it. And we need to say, God, I, I'm here. I receive your spirit. I receive what you have for me. I receive that promise, okay? God doesn't want us to be stuck. It's time for us to get out of the way and let God do what God's going to do in our church and in our community and in our families and in our own personal walk. God wants to do big things, but sometimes we can get in the way of that. Because we're like, God, I don't feel you, I don't feel you, I don't feel you, I don't feel you. And then you move before he even gets ready to pour out that promise on you. So we need to wait for it patiently and do what God tells us to do in the meantime. Elijah had three years that he was waiting for the promise, and he didn't just sit there, right? He, he was still, and he knew that God was going to give that promise, but he still did what God told him to do in the meantime. He still uh, performed the miracles that God told him to perform with the widow and her son and the prophets of Baal and talking to Obadiah. He was a busy man in those three years, but God still hadn't fulfilled that promise in his life right then. Do you think that could have been discouraging at times? Have you ever been discouraged? Don't stop doing what God is telling you to do in the moment because you're discouraged that you haven't received that promise. The rain is coming, I promise. The next verse is, to the skies heavy with blessing, lift your eyes, offer your heart. Jesus Christ opened the heavens. Now we receive the Spirit of God. Deuteronomy 4.39 says, you just need to know with every fiber of your being that the eternal and no one else is God up in heaven and down here on earth. So we read in the scripture that God is God. He's God in heaven. He's God on earth. There's no other God, right? But how often do we look at our circumstances and everything seems hopeless and that we can get so stuck on that? Did you know that becomes your God? Because you're so stuck on your situation. You're so stuck on how you feel. You're so stuck in in that place of, God, where are you? That you miss what God's doing because you're still here just staring. You're like, man, what is going on? Okay? Lift your eyes up to heaven. Lift your eyes up to heaven. When you do that and you keep your eyes on God, 
He is going to guide you and he's going to direct you. And in the hard times, it's going to be okay because he's still guiding you and he's still directing you. When we get so focused inwardly, that's when things tend to spiral out of control. How many times did Elijah send that servant back to look out to the sea? Seven times, okay? That's crazy. How many times have we stopped praying after the third time? How many times have we stopped praying for something after six times? How many times have we stopped praying after seven or eight times? And we, but if God has spoken it to you, if God has given you a promise, you know that he's going to fulfill it. Okay? So keep praying. Keep seeking after him. Don't give up. Everybody say, don't give up. Lift your eyes. God is moving now, and he's moving in your circumstance, and he's moving in your marriage, and in your career, and in your broken relationship with your family, and in your unsaved loved one's heart. He's moving, okay? So those things that you know God is going to do, the healing that's going to happen in your marriage, the healing that's going to happen with your finances, with your family, whatever, God is moving. Just keep seeking him, and keep doing what he tells you to do in the meantime, because that's important. Okay? Don't give up. Everybody say, don't give up. Um, Another promise that we have is from Jesus himself, and he promised the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, Holy Spirit. Spirit. And I'm there. All right. Acts 1.8. And this is something that we focused on uh, back at the beginning of the year when we talked about the Holy Spirit. Um, But Acts 1.8 says, and this is Jesus talking. He says, here's the knowledge you need. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, first here in Jerusalem, then beyond to Judea and Samaria, and finally to the farthest places on earth. Jesus has promised us power. Did you know that he's going to fulfill that promise? So when we seek after him and when we ask for the Holy Spirit to wash over us, right, we know that we have that power that he's promised us and he's given us. We just need to walk in that power, right? So if you feel powerless, if you feel like somebody who can't go and, and bring the word to people, they can't preach to people, they can't tell people about Jesus, then that's a lie from the enemy because if you're following God, if you, if you are, have made Jesus the leader of your life, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you just need to activate that power, right? You got it? Yeah. All right. You guys missed that, didn't you? I know Ben did it. And it was like kind of, it was good, Ben. I was going to say it was kind of lackluster, but it wasn't. It was awesome. (laughs) You guys got it? (laughs) That's just Ben's personality. He's awesome. Um, All right. So how many of us are walking in that power? How many of us have truly received that power? And he also promised, I'm just reading you a bunch of promises because you need to hear them today. John 14, 12. uh, And it says, I will tell you the truth. Whoever believes in me will be able to do what I have done, but they will do even greater things because I'll return to be with the Father. I will return to be with the Father. So Jesus has told the disciples, whoever believes in me will do what I've done, but also they can do greater things, all right? Through what? The Holy Spirit working inside of you, right? So if you feel like you're powerless, you're not, okay? God's promised you that you have power. It's so easy to get stuck in a place of defeat, but that's not what God calls us to. He calls us to victory through his son, okay? And I know it's hard. (laughs) I know it's hard when you're in your circumstance. I know it's hard when things aren't going your way. I know it's hard when things around you have happened that you're just like, man, how do I get out of this? But God is there and he's given you power to get through it because he is with you. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. That's also found in Scripture. That is a promise from God. So um, I know I've talked about this before, but back in uh, a few, well, 
while ago now, almost seven years ago, I had went through this really intense period of doubt where I was like, I don't even know if God is real. And did you know that when you work on ministry staff, that that's a scary question to ask yourself? Because you're like, I am going to get fired if I ever say that to anybody. Um, but I never struggled with that as a kid. I always just grew up and I was like, yeah, sure, God's real. I love him. He loves me. It's all good. But when we become adults, we stop thinking like kids, unfortunately, because we really should have faith like kids all the time. But we stop thinking like that. And then our logical brains kick in and we're like, why doesn't that make sense? And so I started to freak out. I was like, well, what if my whole life has been a lie? All right. So I just prayed I, months, months. I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and said, God, I just need you to show me that you're real. I need you to show me that you're real. I need you to show me. I need you to, to like just bring a random stranger up to me on the street and have them tell me that you're real. And it wasn't happening. I was like, I don't know what to do. That can be scary, right? Has anybody ever struggled with doubt like that? Right? So in that season, I had to stand on the promises that I knew were true no matter what. And sometimes it's not feeling it. Sometimes it's just choosing to believe it anyway. And the promises that I stood on in that, in that season were we are victorious, Satan is defeated, and Jesus is on the throne. Those are things that I knew were real. We are victorious, Satan is defeated, and Jesus is on the throne. And we can walk in victory and freedom. And I had to choose to believe that. I always had to choose to believe that. And there were times when I was like, I don't know if I, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. But when I focused on Jesus, that's when I knew that everything was going to be okay. And that's when I knew that um, I was going to be able to, um, sorry guys. Um, that's when I knew that I was going to be able to stand on those promises and believe those promises were true. So sometimes we don't feel him. But that's when we make a choice to say that I know that God is here and that he's doing good things. All right? Everybody say, God's doing good things. All right. So the next verse says that every seed buried in sorrow, you will call forth in its time. You are Lord, Lord of the harvest, calling our hope now to arise. So is there a seed that you have buried in sorrow? Is there something that's happened in your life that you're like, man, I don't know how to get through this. Uh, back in October 2017, we had a miscarriage. And that was a really hard time for us because we had already had Dash and we were, we'd been trying and trying and trying for a baby and it just wasn't happening. And then we were so happy when we finally found out that we were expecting. But then a couple of months later, the miscarriage happened and it was devastating for us. Has any, I, I, you don't have to raise your hand, but if you've ever gone through a miscarriage, you know that is one of the most devastating experiences that you'll ever have. So we didn't know what God was doing. We didn't understand. We knew that God promised us that he had good plans no matter what that meant. We were going to pray through it and know that God is good. And now I look back and we wouldn't have Sebastian today. And as much as I like to say, you know, three-year-olds are awful because they are, um, I can't imagine life without him, okay? I can't imagine life without Sebastian. So... We have Sebastian, though it still doesn't make sense, and there are times when we think, why did this happen? God blessed us with the best guy we could have ever hoped for. So what are those prayers that you've prayed in those seasons of sorrow? There's also, like, there's also been times when I look back, and it's been harder for me to see what God, the good things that God is doing. Because I can look at Sebastian, and I can say, hey, like, I know what God did through that miscarriage, but what about back in July of 2020 when my dad died? 
and I, can't, I couldn't look back and say, yeah, I know why God did this. This, this is fine because God worked through this. And it took a really good friend of mine to say, listen, just because that happened, it was the worst thing that ever happened to you, doesn't mean that God is still isn't moving. Are, are you, do you have more compassion now for people that have gone through this? Do you know that God is good through any circumstance? Are you able to help walk people through that? And I was able to say, wow, okay. I know that God <laughs> walked us through that, even though I still don't see the good part of my dad dying, right? Nobody would. But I can see how God has worked through that. So Matthew 17:20. give me a second to get there. Um, Matthew 17:20 says, because you have so little faith, I tell you this, if you had even a faint spark of faith, even faith as tiny as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there. And because of your faith, the mountain would move. If you had just a sliver of faith, you would find nothing impossible. Jesus said that we need faith even as small as a mustard seed, right? If we do, we're going to find nothing impossible. Another promise. We just need to pray and fast and give it to God. But if we have faith just that small, he's going to move those mountains. And then the next few scriptures I don't have on the screen, but 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. Paper Bibles. Come on, guys. Um, it says, Blessed is God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Anointed One, because he has raised Jesus the Anointed from death through his great mercy. We have been reborn into a living hope, reborn for an eternal inheritance held in reserve in heaven that he will never fade or fail. Through faith, God's power is standing, watch, protecting you for salvation that you will see completely at the end of things. You should greatly rejoice in what is waiting for you, even if now for a little while, while you have to suffer various trials. Hope in Jesus is our inheritance. Even if we're going through a very hard time, a drought or a desert or whatever you want to call it, we have hope that God is good and that he sent Jesus as our living hope. Jesus is our living hope, right? And then 2 Peter 1, 4 through 7 says, Through these things we have received God's great and valuable promises so that we might escape the corruption of worldly desires and share in the divine nature. To achieve this, you will need to add virtue to your faith and then knowledge to your virtue, to knowledge add discipline, to discipline add endurance, to endurance add godliness, to godliness add affection for others as sisters and brothers, and to affection at last add love. So what are the, what are the things God tells us to do here? The list of things boils down to loving God and loving others right? So when we're going through the season of hard time, we've buried that seed in sorrow. We don't know what we're doing. We're praying and we're praying and we're praying. We have to just obey what God is telling us to do. And that's to love God and love others. If we do that, we know we're doing what God tells us to do. Even when we don't feel his promises to us, it's so important to keep walking the way he calls us to go and to keep loving him. And then the last verse said, and we can call the band up now because we're getting ready to wrap up. Um, the last verse says, and with great anticipation, we await the promise to come. Everything that you've spoken will come to pass. Let it be done. Whoa. Everybody say, whoa. whoa. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the assurance of things you have hoped for, the absolute conviction that there are realities that you've never seen. When we have faith, we're putting our hope in the promises that God has given us. And when we put our hope in the promises that God has given us, we know that he is going to fulfill those promises and that he is going to do great things in our lives, right? What we need to believe and we need to trust and we need to have faith that even when we don't see it, it's still happening, right? Right? So why don't you guys stand up today? Because, listen, we are in a season 
We are in a season of, we've been in the season of waiting as a church, but I want to go as far as to say we're in a season of waiting as a world, right? Because I don't know about you, but the last two years have been really difficult. In the last two years, we've been looking and saying, what are you doing, God? If I was you, this would not have happened because I know that this is not what I planned. But listen, it doesn't matter what we plan. What matters is what God promises and what God tells us to do in the times that we're waiting. And God wants to pour out his blessings and he wants to fulfill those promises. If you're waiting on a promise from God, then don't wait. Come to the altar and just pray and give that over to him and say, God, I'm still waiting and I still know that you're good and I still know that no matter what, you are going to move and pour out your spirit. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? So the band is going to play this song, and if you feel that, just come up to these altars. And if you're like, man, I don't know because it might look weird, uh, I hope you're past that at this point. You guys remember when, we came, when everybody came up to the altar at once? Nobody is looking at you, okay? When you come up to the altar, we're all just going through our own things, right? So if you feel like you need to come up here and lay that down at the cross and say, God, I'm ready to receive those promises, then do it. Don't be afraid and don't be ashamed. All right, I'm going to pray for you guys. Lord, we love you, and we praise you, and we thank you that you are good, and that you love us, and that you're here with us today. Thank you for your promises that are always true. Thank you that you're always faithful. Thank you that we can just turn everything over to you and know that you have it taken care of. Lord, help us to receive that rain that you've promised us today. In Jesus' name, we love you. Amen. Mm -hmm.